Well, I want to welcome you to worship, whether you're here live in the room or you're watching on video. So we're in the fourth and final week of this series that we're calling the Original Christmas Playlist. And the heart behind the series is that in Luke chapters one and two, there are four different songs that are sung. Now, this is also where we get a core of the gospel uh, for Christmas from, so it kind of all fits together well. And in these four songs that we're looking at, they really say a lot about who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what he means for us in our daily life. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jason kicked off the series talking about Zechariah and about how he was waiting for God to show up and how he was praying for God to come for his people and also to show up personally in his life. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and an angel appeared to her and shared that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. And we talked about how she had to travel from anxiety to acceptance and then to adoration And then last week, we talked about the angel who came and proclaimed to the shepherds that this great thing had happened. And then there was this whole choir of angels, and they sang about how there was good news, and there was great joy, and that there was peace on earth because of the coming of Jesus. Tonight, what we're going to look at is the song that is sung by a man named Simeon a little bit later in the Christmas story. But when you read through the Gospel of Luke, just in the first couple chapters, you find out there is a lot of waiting that is happening. You see, the people in Israel had been waiting for God to move. They had been waiting for God to show up for 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Well, then Zechariah's story is really about waiting. They had been waiting for God to come and intercede on behalf of his people, and he also wanted God to show up in his life. There's a lot of waiting that happens. Now, I think for most of us, waiting can be a difficult thing. Waiting can be a stressful thing, and waiting can be a frustrating thing. I mean, especially at the Christmas season, right? I mean, for children, Christmas has a lot of waiting to it, doesn't it? You know, they're waiting for Christmas programs, they're waiting for parties, and of course, they're waiting to open up their gifts. But those of us who are adults, we also have a lot of waiting that we do. Maybe you've been waiting for the final installment of Star Wars. I think it comes out today. Maybe there's other waiting that you have in your life. You're waiting for news in a job. You're waiting for news in a relationship. Waiting can be a big part of our life, and waiting can be stressful. It can be difficult, and it can be frustrating. Now, in the 1960s, there was a psychologist who did a test which has become known as the marshmallow test. And maybe you've heard about this. They took a bunch of four-year-olds and they gave each four-year-old one marshmallow. And they told them that if you wait 20 minutes before you eat your marshmallow, you get another one. But if you eat that marshmallow in the first 20 minutes, you don't get another one. And they tried to see what would happen. Well, as you can imagine, there were some kids who kind of gutted it out and they were able to wait. And there were others who dove in right away. They couldn't wait at all. Well, I brought a video for you to take a look at that illustrates this test.
hard to watch, isn't it? How do you think you would have done if you were their age, sitting in that room with a marshmallow in front of you? Maybe how would you do today in that same situation? I know for myself, I have a hard time waiting. If I was that kid, I'd probably eat my own, and if there was others in the room, probably steal theirs too. I get kind of crabby and stressed out when I have to wait when I go into a store and have to stand in line to check out. Do you ever feel that way? You know, I do this thing where I come into a grocery store, I try to figure out what's going to be the fastest line, and then I get in there, but then I always have to pick somebody in all the other lines to, you know, kind of be the gauge to see if I correctly chose. Anybody? Okay, maybe that's just me. Waiting can be stressful, difficult, and frustrating. And today we're going to talk about Simeon, who was a man who lived at the time of Jesus, and he had been waiting and waiting for a long time. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 25. And it reads, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So here we're introduced to Simeon, and Simeon is described as both righteous and devout. Isn't that an incredible way to be described? kind of makes you wonder how you would be described a couple hundred years from now, doesn't it? If someone were to put two words attached to your name or my name, what would those words be? Simeon is both righteous and devout. He's an example to his community. He's an example to those in the temple. He's a guy that never misses worship. He prays fervently. He supports people. He helps people. He takes God's commands seriously and puts them into practice in his life. He trusts God day by day, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is especially amazing because he's surrounded by all sorts of corruption in the temple, big egos, all sorts of financial scheming, and yet Simeon remains righteous. 
and devout. He's humble, he's focused, and he knows what's important. Now, do you know anyone like Simeon? Is there anyone in your life that's been a Simeon to you? You know, when I think about Simeon being righteous and devout, the people that jump right into my mind are my grandma and grandpa Thompson. You see, they were just incredible people. They traveled the world evangelizing and preaching and teaching. They always had something good to say about people. They were always reaching out to others in love, and they always found a way to tell people about Jesus. I still remember as a kid visiting them down in Mesa, Arizona, and we were at a Denny's on a Saturday morning. And in the time it took for us to eat breakfast, my siblings and I and them, they had led our waitress to Christ and found her a church to attend. It's just kind of how it always went. But the thing is, even though as I think about them, they must have been righteous and devout. I remember the time asking my mom, Mom, do you think Grandma and Grandpa ever sin at all? Well, they'd be the first ones to tell me and to tell you Of course they sin. They're in desperate need of a savior. I remember at my grandpa's funeral, the closing hymn was, I know my redeemer lives. He knew that he needed Jesus, his redeemer. In the same way, Simeon is righteous and he's devout, but he knows something is missing. On the outside, he is a model follower of God. He's got it all together. But on the inside, he knows that he needs redemption, and he needs forgiveness, and that he needs a savior. He's desperate for the Messiah to come. And so Simeon trusted in God. As the text says, he eagerly waited for the coming of the Messiah. He anticipated the day that the Messiah would come. And the thing is, the text tells us that God had promised Simeon that he would not die until he would get to meet the Messiah face to face. And so Simeon trusted in that, he claimed that, and day after day after day, he waited for God to fulfill his promise. And those days turned into months, and those months turned into years, yet day after day, he was faithful in trusting. He watched and he waited. Now, every child that he saw, you can imagine he would pray to God, God, is this the one? Is this the child that I've been waiting for? Is today the day that I get to meet the Messiah? Every day he was waiting for Christmas to come. And then finally, that day came when Mary and Joseph came into the temple carrying the baby Jesus They were coming to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. It was something that was done with the firstborn son after 40 days. 40 days they were brought to the temple and they were dedicated to God. It was acknowledging that God was the giver of life. And when Simeon saw Mary and Joseph and when he saw Jesus, he was overjoyed. This is the day that he had been waiting for. This is the day that he had been trusting in God for all along. But imagine Mary and Joseph as they stood there with this baby, these new parents, this old guy in a robe coming over, motioning that he wanted to hold their child. 
Now, any parents out there, you probably can imagine what this was like. You know, holding your first child, you're nervous, and it's maybe a cute little baby that you're holding, and suddenly this stranger comes and wants to take them. But something about Simeon must have put them at ease because Mary hands Jesus over to Simeon. And Simeon takes Jesus, and it's kind of like in The Lion King when he holds him up. Simeon holds Jesus up and proclaims him to be the Savior and gives thanks to God. And finally, Simeon's able to pray to God and say, now I'm ready to die. Now you can take me home, and it's been worth the wait. Now, Simeon is the very first person to look at Jesus and not only proclaim him to be the Messiah of Israel, but also to be the Savior for all of the world, including Gentiles like us. An incredible proclamation. But he also looked at Mary, and he told Mary that someday this same baby will grow up to break her heart. Now, this, of course, is a reference to 30 years in the future when Jesus hangs on a cross and gives up his life for every one of us to pay the penalty for our sins, and Mary, his mother, was there to witness it. Now, this is the time of year when typically we look back at the past year and take inventory of our lives, how things have gone, how we wish things maybe had been different, But it's also the time that we start looking to the new year. And maybe we have some dreams and some plans and some resolutions and things that we hope will take place in this coming year. But the thing about hopes and dreams and plans and resolutions is that a lot of times they entail a lot of waiting, right? A lot of times we have to wait for those things to come to fruition, So I think as we think about waiting into the new year, Simeon gives us some important keys to put into practice as we wait. So I think the first thing that Simeon teaches us about waiting is to be expectant. Simeon lived his life with an expectant attitude that God would use him, that God would show up in his life again and again, And that if he would serve God with all of his heart, he would witness God do amazing things in and through him. And so Simeon was willing to watch and wait for days and months and years. He was waiting for Christmas to come, and he was expectant. I think every one of us has things that we want so badly we can barely stand it. Now, when we're children, it's probably the newest toy or the newest video game. But as we become adults, it's things like healthy relationships, or it's things like the end of pain and suffering, or the restoration of normal, whatever that is to you. But waiting, especially for things like this, can seem like torture. And the question we often ask in life is is it worth the wait? Is it worth the wait? Well, I want to remind you that faithfulness and hope and perseverance matter. We're reminded in Scripture again and again and again not to lose hope. 
God is at work, even when we can't see it, even when we can't understand it, and that in the end, his plans and his purposes will be so much better than we can ever imagine. It's worth the wait to trust in God. And so Simeon waited patiently and confidently, and he lived with expectation and anticipation because he was fully confident in God's promises. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, the Apostle Paul talks about Abraham from the Old Testament, and he talks about how Abraham had full confidence in the promises of God, even when God told Abraham and his wife Sarah that they would give birth to a child even though they were 100 years old. Here's what Paul says in Romans 4, starting in verse 21. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And here's the key part. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Now, as Christians, we can have the same attitude and we can have the same anticipation that Abraham and Simeon did. Every day, not just Christmas time, we can anticipate the coming of the Lord, that he will show up and that he is present and that he is at work in our everyday life. Be fully persuaded that God does have the power to do everything that he's promised. Now with that in mind, what would it look like for you to live with greater expectation this year? What would it look like for you to live with greater expectation that God will show up, that God is at work in your life? Would your priorities change? How would you spend your time? Would you spend more or less time serving others? Would you be more or less committed to your church? I love Ephesians 1, starting with verse 8, especially in the message translation. The message translation is kind of a contemporary paraphrase of Scripture. But here's what it says. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. What an amazing promise. And what a great reason for hope that God has a plan. He's got everything under control and it's all unfolding through Jesus. His plans and his purposes will come to pass, but in his own timing which means our job is to simply wait with expectation to trust that he's there and that he's working. Be expectant. And then number two, keep focused. Simeon was waiting expectantly and he kept focus on the promise, the promise of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. I remember back to when my son Soren started playing baseball. He must have been five or six years old. 
And I remember as he got up to the plate, yelling out to him again and again, keep your eye on the ball. And like every parent would take their turn as their kid came up to the plate. I remember watching all the kids as they went out to the field, like seven out of the nine of them were either picking grass or had their back turned to the ball. The coach's son at one point climbed a tree and we had to keep yelling to them, keep your eye on the ball. Simeon kept his eye on the ball. He kept his eyes focused on God's promise of the coming of the Messiah. But you see, we have an advantage over Simeon because we already know the whole story. We already know exactly where to focus because Jesus has already come into our world and he's already conquered death and sin and he continues to show up in our lives. And so we too can watch and we can wait knowing that for the Christ follower, Christmas comes every single day. We just need to keep our eyes on our Savior. And that's precisely why, as we come into the year 2020, we can have great hope despite many causes for fear and anxiety and pain. It's why we don't need to cave in to all the fear and the propaganda that's out there these days. Remember, 2 Timothy 1 says, We don't need to have a spirit of fear, but instead of power and love and self-discipline. As Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. We too can focus our eyes on salvation through Christ, knowing that God is the God of second chances, God is the God of grace, that God can heal us from the inside out, that God can bring change and transformation into our lives. What do your hopes and your dreams for 2020 look like through the lens of Jesus? What do your hopes and your dreams, your goals for 2020 look like through the lens of Jesus? How does that impact how you treat other people? How does that impact how you'll measure success? or you'll measure happiness in this coming year. Be expectant. Keep focused on Jesus. And then number three, be willing to be moved. In verse 27, Simeon is moved. He's guided by the Holy Spirit to enter into the temple on that day when Jesus arrives. Simeon's name literally means one who hears and one who obeys. And that's precisely what Simeon does. He hears and he obeys and he's willing to be moved. But think for a moment, what if Simeon decided not to move that day? What if he decided to stay home and watch soap operas? If he decided to sleep in? He had been waiting day after day after day, and he could have missed it all. Same thing is true for Mary and Joseph, for the shepherds, for the wise men. What if they hadn't been willing to move? Imagine what they had missed out on. Such an important lesson for every one of us. When God shows up, when God nudges you, listen and obey. 
Now, this might look different for every one of us here. Maybe for some people, God is giving you a nudge to say, today is the day you need to trust your life to Jesus. You need to receive his gift of salvation. For others, maybe it's to sacrifice on behalf of someone else or to find a way to serve someone or meet someone's needs. What is God speaking into your life? What step of faith is he asking you to take? Don't fail to listen and to obey because you might miss out on an amazing miracle. I have a sister who was adopted from Korea when she was a baby. And after she graduated from college, she had the opportunity to go live over in Korea for a number of years. And while she was there, she met her birth family, which was an amazing thing. And my wife Lexi and I were privileged enough to go visit her while she was living over in Korea. And we got to meet her family, including a brother-in-law who was an executive for Samsung. So then quite a few years later, we were living very close to 3M headquarters over in Woodbury, and he was on a business trip and got to come to Minnesota for meetings at 3M. And so we had him over to our house. Now, we can't speak Korean at all, and he could speak a very, very little English. And I remember him coming through our door, I think it was New Year's Day, and he started to tell us a story, and we were trying to put it together, and he said, he said, believe. Do you know believe? And he said, yes, we understand believe. And, you know, we knew he grew up very devout Buddhist. And so we're kind of wondering, what is he talking about? He said, God showed up. And we're like, wow, this is okay. God showed up. God showed up. Do you understand believe? And we're saying, yes, we understand believe. So he went over to his backpack and he reached inside and he pulled out a certificate. And it was his baptism certificate. You see, he said, God showed up. And he decided to trust in him, and he gave his life to Christ. And he went on and he talked about when bad things happen and when tragedies happen, now he has peace. See, in a very broken English, he gave us this incredible testimony of someone who was willing to let God show up, and then he was willing to be moved. And it made a huge difference for his eternity. See, as we celebrate Christmas and then we celebrate New Year's, I think we have an opportunity to ask, to whom am I listening and to whom am I obeying? Is it just my own preferences, my own wants and my own desires? Am I just listening to the opinions of all the people around me? Or am I listening to God? Am I obeying God? Am I giving him room to move me? Am I looking to do his will and to walk in his ways? Because I believe God has a place he wants each one of us to be. And he wants us to take a step of faith, to be moved into that place. For some of you, maybe that's joining a small group this January, being willing to take that step of faith to come and grow in a community of believers. For others, maybe it's finding a way to serve within the church or outside the church to go make a difference in someone's life. For others, maybe it's just going next door to one of your neighbors and meeting a need or being there to walk alongside them through a tough time. How does God 
want you to move? What step of faith is he asking you to take? Well, like Simeon, as we enter this new year, I think we each need to remember to be expectant. Expect that God will show up. Keep focused on Jesus. And then be willing to be moved. Because just like Simeon knew, when it comes to Jesus, it is always, always worth the wait. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are at work in our world and that you are at work in our lives. God, help us to live expectantly knowing that you will show up, that you are at work. God, help us to keep our eyes focused on the good news of the gospel, the good news that you sent your only son Jesus into our world at Christmas time so that he could ultimately give his life for each one of us so that we could have a hope and a future in you. God, help us to be willing to be moved Help us to be open to your guiding, to be open to your voice, to be open to your challenges. God, help us to be willing to be moved to where you want us to be so that we can make a difference in the world and make a difference in people's lives. God, as we go out into the night and go out into the day, help us to share your everlasting love with every single person we meet. Help us to live with the expectancy of the coming of the Messiah in all that we say and do. And so, God, we trust all these things to your care in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said.